All right, let's get ready. And we're going live. We're super live. We are live from live stream number 106 in the Data on Kubernetes community. And it's the first time that we've ever done a live stream where someone has a virtual background as cool as Feynman Jews. Um, anyway, Feynman is no stranger to community. He is no stranger to the CNCF, super active in lots of organizations, in lots of, in lots of events, in lots of communities. He's so involved that he was able to get a rap video of mine played at Kubernetes Community Days China. I'm super grateful for that. We're also joined by, uh, and Feynman, when he's not organizing events, he's doing lots of stuff in Kubesphere, which we're gonna hear more about as well. And we're also joined by Wei, Wei Gu. Very nice to have you with us. Uh, we met a while back and we're finally getting this together. Very happy that it's happening. Finally. As usual, folks, if you've got questions, leave them in the chat on YouTube. We will get to them accordingly. Um, I will let you take it over from here, gentlemen. Go for it. Yeah. So uh, let me share my share my desktop and uh, give a brief introduction to myself and the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me know if you can see my screen. Okay. Yes. Looks great. Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, glad to be here. I'm Feynman Zhou from Beijing. Now it's the middle night in Beijing time, but I'm extremely enthusiastic about this session. And uh, also you see my heart is very warm and hot. So uh, go ahead and uh, my name is Feynman Zhou and I'm CNCF ambassador and the community manager at Kubesphere. I have run in this community for around two, two to three years. So, and uh, Wei is my best friend from the Nebula Graph community. So Wei, you can give a brief introduction to yourself. Um, thank you, Feynman. Uh, thank you, Bart. Uh, it's my honor to have your time on, on DOK community and have, have uh, sharing the same session with uh, Feynman, the uh, D Feynman. And I'm an engineer from, uh, from China, Shanghai, and I, I love open source. And I, I love uh, Kubernetes and graph technology that I hope I can help you out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wei, is a, Wei is an experienced developer advocate at Nebula Graph. And uh, he's very good at the live demo. So he's going to show you guys the live demo of running graph database. Yeah. The Nebula Graph on K3S with, with Kubesphere. And you can also run in this graph database on Kubernetes as well. Okay, let's go ahead. Um, in this session, we're gonna include some topics that ranging from Kubesphere, K3S, graph database like Nebula Graph, and uh, we can learn and practice in a live demo. And the next, we can show you how to install the, a live K3S cluster with OpenEBS installed in advance. Yeah, we will use KubeKey to install this cluster. And finally, we're gonna run Nebula Graph on K3S with Kubesphere and build the cloud native observability for these data, database applications. Okay. Uh, first of all, I would like to uh, give a brief walkthrough to the K3S. I assume you guys uh, is totally familiar with the Kubernetes, yeah we say K8S, but K3S is a brand new um, distribution of Kubernetes, yeah. We can say K3S is a lightweight Kubernetes. Uh, its architecture is quite similar to the Kubernetes. You see there is the API server, Kube proxy, controller manager, and so on, yeah. K3S also run the Kubelet on, on their node. But the totally different point is that K3S didn't include the ETCD. It has its own, we say, kind as is the backend store. Yeah. So K3S is very lightweight for uh, running the Kubernetes services in Edge, IoT, continuous, integ integ uh, continuous CI and uh, ARM, as well as the de development scenario. So due to its the lightweight um, characteristic, it only has the binary, binary of less than 100 um, MBs. 
So K-stress is totally lightweight for the edge and IoT use case. Let's go ahead to the next page. Yeah, uh, let's take a look at the comparison of K3S and Kubernetes. As we mentioned earlier, K3S is uh, totally used for the IoT and uh, and the light and the uh, edge use case. That is uh, that is due to the K3S has removed two important things that built in the Kubernetes. Yeah, you know, K-Stress has uh, out of three alternatives in the form of CSI and uh, Cloud Controller in Kubernetes. So K-Stress has removed the entry storage drivers and entry cloud providers. Additionally, K-Stress simplifies the Kubernetes operations by maintaining functionalities such as it maintain it. It has man, it manages the TLS certificates of Kubernetes components. Okay, um, let's take a look at the challenges of adopting Kubernetes, or say, or we say K3S in production. Uh, I guess you guys may uh, know this uh, series television, yeah, the Game of Thrones, and we say we see the white workers. Uh, who tell us that uh, we need security and we need to build the um, consistent logging pipeline. And uh, yeah, uh, we, also, we also hear a lot of complaints that Kubernetes or K3S is still complex, is, is still very uh, complex and uh, uh, it is still hard to leverage this technology in our production. Yeah, uh, even when we run in the stateful workloads on Kubernetes, we still need to keep the reliability and the high availability. Yeah, we see a lot of challenges uh, when we really adopt the Kubernetes in production. Yeah, let's get a little bit deep dive, deep dive into the challenges and the pain points when we adopt the Kubernetes in the production. Yeah, as we can see from the CNCF survey in 2020, we see that complexity has still occupied the highest um, item in those uh, survey results. And we see the uh, Kubernetes has the high learning curve and it is, it is very hard to bootstrap a high availability Kubernetes cluster as well as the application lifecycle management security and the multi-tenancy and so on. Yeah, we see a lot of pain points that we face in the uh, production. Yeah, fortunately, we have a lot of open source solutions and uh, the CNCF ecosystem, uh, you know, the CNCF landscape provides a wide branch of uh, the cloud native tools, yeah, you know, the uh, Kubernetes dashboard, Istio, Grafana, Prometheus, Helm chart. Yeah, a lot of uh, open source cloud and the cloud native solutions have been included in the CNCF ecosystem. Yeah, uh, in the past, we can leverage those tools and solutions to combine and uh, to build our own platform as a service. Yeah, but in the real scenario, we see that um, we have different roles and teams in our company. Yeah, we have SIE, developers, testing, and uh, you know the uh, architecture. And the different teams will own their different author authorizations and access to different tools. That means we need to manage and operate uh, different tools in different windows and uh, uh, different user, user interfaces. Um, that will cause the high learning curve for end users and uh, for different teams, since we need to, uh, we need to manage the fi fine-grained access in different ways. We need to configure the uh, access and, uh, uh, and the right management system for those different systems to 
connect with the Kubernetes. Yeah. So based on this background, we, de we developed and open sourced KubeSphere. Well, um, KubeSphere is a distributed operating system for cloud native application management. It, use, it uses Kubernetes as its kernel. So if we say um, Kubernetes is the uh, Linux kernel in the cloud native era, and uh, we can uh, give, we can give, uh, we can say KubeSphere is the desktop, which is similar to the Ubuntu. Yeah. When we say KubeSphere is the desktop for the uh, Kubernetes kernel. And uh, KubeSphere provides a plug and play architecture allowing third party applications to be seamlessly integrated into its ecosystem. So we know uh, if we installed a Ubuntu or Windows operating system, so it has a built-in application store that you can install any applications with one click. So QSphere has its own application store that you can uh, install and um, operate any kinds of cloud native applications within a single control plane. So far, KubeSphere has gained more than 8,000 uh, GitHub stars and uh, more than 1,000 uh, forks in GitHub. So if you are interested in KubeSphere, you can go to the GitHub repository and uh, install it via a couple of commands. So this is the general architecture of KubeSphere. KubeSphere provides service mesh, CICD, application management, observability, security, and authentication. Yeah. And uh, it also brings you guys to uh, the networking, load balancer, and uh, some CNI management. So you can install QSphere in any kinds of infrastructures. So you, for example, you can use QSphere uh, and install it on your bare metal, your own data center, your public cloud, or even the hosted or on-premises Kubernetes cluster. So QSphere is designed for the, uh, QSphere is a operating system that's designed for the distributed data center and, and uh, public cloud, yeah. This is the general um, architecture that includes the front end and the back end services. So the front end, uh, services will invoke the backend REST API and to uh, implement the uh, services while the KubeSphere KS API server, controller manager, and the access control. So it has different backend services such as monitoring, alerting, security, storage, logging, and so on. This is the ecosystem that have been included and supported by KubeSphere, which ranges from application to the underlying orchestration and the database. Yeah, you can see it has supported Kubernetes and K3S. So you can also install those applications and uh, uh, operate uh, those applications in a single unified management console. Um, Let's go ahead and uh, uh, take, a, take a look at its roadmap. We started this project three years ago, and now we have released uh, more than, uh, in my memory, we have re released uh, 11 versions in GitHub. So you can take a look at those features and uh, our ecosystem projects. So in the last months, we have published a huge milestone, which is the uh, version 3.2. It brings GPU workload and GPU monitoring, as well as the multi-class scheduling in this version. So if you, if you are interested in this version, you can take a look at our GA announcement. So uh, most folks that, uh, confused, that are confused about the KubeSphere and uh, we see some guys that uh, is, is QSphere a little bit heavy for, for us. So uh, we would like to say that QSphere is pluggable and uh, uh, its, its components can be optional to 
install and uh, uninstall. So you can enable any kinds of features and components that meet your needs. And uh, we can say that Kubespace stands on, is standing on the shoulder of a giant. Yeah. So the giant is Kubernetes, but we made a lot of enhancements and, uh, uh, and add-ons based on Kubernetes, such as the application lifecycle management, CICD and service mesh. Since Kubesphere has provided the uh, one-stop application lifecycle management and application store, yeah, this has never been included in the Kubernetes. As well as the CICD, Kubesphere uh, integrates the Jenkins to provide the CICD pipeline. And it also integrates the STUI to provide the source to image for those developers that, that who are willing to uh, build their own images in Kubesphere. As for the service mesh, Kubesphere integrate the Istio as its underlying service mesh framework. So you can leverage Kubesphere to build your own service mesh system and uh, uh, to, and to uh, Add your own microservices governance and your topology based on Kubesphere. Yeah, this is the uh, ecosystem that uh, around Kubesphere. So we see a lot of pain points that we mentioned earlier. For example, uh, if you want to explore, if you want to expose your services uh, in the on-premises clusters, especially for the bare metal cluster you may have to try OpenERB. The formerly name is uh, PortLB. And uh, this project has been open source, open source two years ago. And uh, in the last month, this project OpenERB has been ac accepted by the CNCF Sandbox. And now OpenERB is a CNCF Sandbox project. So this project has uh, addressed the uh, service Explosure in the on-premises environment. So you can use this project to explore your uh, services with load balancer type of services in the bare metal cluster or, or the edge environment. Um, the second example uh, project is the Fluent-based operator. Yeah, this project is also accepted by the upstream community, yeah. Maybe you, know, you guys know the Fluent community. So Fluent, Fluent Bit Operator uh, facilitates the deployment and management of Fluent Bit itself. And uh, Fluent Bit Operator provides great flexibility in building logging layer based on Fluent Bit. So you can leverage this project to build your own uh, logging pipeline and uh, you can collect and gather your logs while this operator. And the one another uh, small tool that open source by our community is KubeKey. KubeKey is written in Go and it, it is the next generation installer for Kubernetes and K3S and some cloud native add-ons. You can install it via a couple of commands and it, it is quite uh, easy to install and uh, maintenance. Um, Kubai is also a brand new open source project which help you guys to find various problems on Kubernetes. It is a small uh, diagnostic tool which helps you to find the unhealthy class components and uh, uh, the potential node problems. Yeah, the final project we open sourced uh, this year is Open Function. Open Function is a cloud native open source fast platform. Yeah as serverless is the uh, serverless emerges in the cloud native ecosystem in these years and we see this has been a new trend if uh, developers want to build their own function to the final image and publish then to the kubernetes in an easy way so open function can help developers to uh, focus on their own business logics without worrying about the underlying runtime and the infrastructure. Um, in this session, we're gonna focus on the installer KubeKey and uh, 
the graph, graph database Nebula graph. So this is the general workflow that if you want to uh, distribute your application to different uh, clouds that have diff that has different that have has multiple Kubernetes cluster. Yeah, this is a general screenshot of Kubesphere uh, multi-cluster management. So it has imported the different uh, multiple Kubernetes cluster in a single control plane. Uh, typically in this session, we're gonna focus on the cloud native observability, which includes the uh, logging, tracing and the monitoring. So uh, in Wei's demo, he gonna show you guys how to, uh, how to monitor and uh, trace the logs for the pause of, for the pause and workloads of the Nebula graph database. So yeah, this is the uh, screenshot about the class data, class status monitoring in Kubesphere. And this is the logging system of Kubesphere. So you can, uh, you can query different uh, application logs while, di while different dimensions. For example, you can query logs by namespace, pod, container, or some other dimensions. Yeah, this is the event console built in, in Kubesphere. So you can leverage this uh, interface to uh, trace and uh, look back to your events of each pod. So yeah, um, as we mentioned earlier, KubeKey is a lightweight and uh, easy to use installer for you guys to install K3S, Kubernetes, and OpenEBS within minutes. So it has only three commands. You can uh, refer to this screenshot and copy, copy paste it in your own terminal. So you guys can try it after our demo. And uh, so I, I can, uh, so Wei, I, yeah. I think you, you can prepare for your demo and uh, uh, continue to introduce the Nebula graph and uh, graph database from your side. Okay, thank you. Great job, Feynman. Let's see it. Let's do it. <laughs> I will stop my sharing. Um, so can you see it? Yes, yeah. looks good. Okay. Okay, thank you. And and wait, wait, you may have to tell us about your rap experience that you told me about. <laughs> yes, I'm an underground uh, uh, rap, uh, rapper. I make uh, make uh, mixtapes uh, in my uh, garage when I was in middle school. Yes. That's wow. cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Anyway, Genius. We, have, we need to do a collaboration. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, yeah, let, yeah, but let's look at the demo first. Let's do the demo first and then we yes. can. <laughs> Yeah, yes, so, hmm. <laughs> so actually I'm wearing the hat of developer advocate of the uh, Nebula Graph. Uh, and so Nebula Graph, uh, I will give an introduction later. So you can reach me out from the GitHub, the Twitter and my uh, website. Yeah, so we will move on. Um, I will start with uh, what is, uh, so we are talking about graph database. So what is graph uh, and what's a graph database? And why yet another database, right? Um, we can actually uh, start with a famous problem, which is called the seven bridge problem that back, uh, back, uh, back to one, uh, 100 years before in, in the old uh, Europe, uh, in this old city, uh, there are two uh, rivers across the city and the, the land will be divided by uh, like, four of them and one of one of the guy uh raised the question that, that is it possible that we can traverse them all the bridges but we can we cannot repeat uh the traversing of the bridge and we should uh, walk through all the lands so this is the famous uh, seven bridge problem and underlying is it is actually a, a math uh problem that 
lead to the um, topology or um, graph theory. So when when the the guys are uh, trying to study this problem, uh, they did some uh, abstraction. So something similar to this, and finally to this. So what is here? So all the uh, critical uh, or the needed information here in under this uh, question are the dots and connections. So in in in, in graph we name a graph uh, in the term of graph is uh, con constructed by the dots, the vertex and the connection, we call it edges. So, and that's all about the graph. So, and now we know what is a graph, but what is a graph database? And literally a graph database is some sort of system that is persisting the data in a graph way, right? But one thing I want to mention that is uh, other than the normal graph in the graph database uh, word, uh, we use term uh, property graph. That is the, pro uh, the, main, uh, the main things uh, in, in term of graph, which is the nodes or the points or the vertex and the connections, the edges. And the third thing we added here is the property. Property is actually, uh, literally means the attributes or some key uh, pairs in the nodes or in, in the vertex and the edges. So we, we will have some more, makes more sense in, in, in following uh, demo slides. And the graph database is such a system to persistent uh, those data in a graph way. And why do we, why do we actually need this, right? Uh, can we just uh, persist those information logically in a tabular uh, relational database? The answer is yes and no. Uh, yes is we can logically map this information in a tabular uh, table and with the schema like this, that is, uh, for example, we have some table named person, another table named the corporation. And when we want to describe the, uh, there is a lag between the person to hold share another corporation or uh, uh, working as some role uh, in another corporation. This is a lag actually. So we can actually, uh, we have the table of the, the two entities, but we can create another uh, helping or um, supplement uh, table named uh, hold sharing relationship table with link to both the, of the tables. So logically you can describe or express your uh, relationship or graphs information in a tabular da database that is doable, is feasible, but uh, there is cost because it's, the information was not natively uh, persistent here. Uh, but when it comes to graph database, we can schema things just like this. It's real, uh, quite straightforward and there will be uh, a reason why we need this in a straightforward way. So another perspective that why, why we need a uh, graph database is graph database comes with the uh, graph semantic queries. So in this example, I put two equivalent queries based on different type of databases. And the meaning for this query is quite straightforward. It just, uh, in, in graph uh, database uh, term, we call it a one hook, uh, one jump, one hook queries. So the meaning here is uh, we, we query this data from one point over one kind of uh, edges or relationships. And when we get the destination point, we start from that point to go another jump with another relationships. So in this case, we just search uh, this, youth, uh, this uh, basketball players, uh, which team he had served. And we, we, we fetch all the other players that served as same teams. When, when we want to express it in, in, in a SQL way, in a tabular uh, graph, uh, non-graph uh, database way, you will have to do something like this. So if you cannot see it clear, you don't need to. It's, it's some kind of nested uh, join. So this is just one hoop. When, but actually in the real world uh, use case of graph database, you will have to do something like five or 10 hoops of queries. So it will be a curse or disaster uh, for developer to write queries itself, right? But uh, the last one, the last factor that I want to, uh, which is a deal, deal maker, uh, that we, we actually need a database in natively supporting graph data, uh, data is the performance. 
actually um, uh, in in some real world data volume or in multi-hub in the high uh, concurrent uh, uh, query case, the difference, uh, the response time, the throughput between the graph database and circle database could be in uh, a thousand times difference. So this is a deal maker when it comes to an online system, right? And in some analytical uh, use case, uh, normally in sometimes, uh, you can actually make a query, you can get a response time in a human accept acceptable time period for graph database, but for a non-graph database, you, you can get a result in like a couple of hours, which is quite unacceptable, right? So um, I assume that we agree that we need the graph database, but why do we need Nebula graph? Uh, where it excels? So Nebula graph, uh, I will give a brief introduction. Actually, um, Nebula Graph is, uh, was born in uh, 2018, and it was designed with the initial purpose to addressing the case that we want to handle a huge volume of data. And it was initially designed in, in a distributed way. So, and it's open source from day one. And actually till now we are, stepping to the, the version of 2.6 and a bunch of uh, um, teams and uh, comp or even giant, uh, giant co companies have chosen Nebula for the reason that it's the, one of the top um, graph database can handle their data scale or their needs. And it's also open sourced with a um, pretty active and healthy uh, community. So, Yes, so um, you, you can actually, uh, after you, you, you can uh, get the slides, you can reach out for more information uh, from the two URLs. Uh, there are some um, architecture description and some uh, successful uh, stories shared by the user. And so we are talking about the data, the graph data are running on top of the cloud or container or Kubernetes. So for Nebula, uh, we went for a typical uh, evolution way. So initially, uh, when the community is quite small and the team members, or oh, we don't have too much uh, efforts or community contributors focusing on the cloud. So we just uh, uh, release a couple of uh, Docker Compose files or even support a uh, Docker Swarm. But lately, uh, because everyone, almost everyone is using Kubernetes, so we, uh, like uh, a year after we, we have a Helm chart based uh, deliverable uh, of uh, Nebula graph. But as we know that Nebula is stateful, it's not best uh, fitting with the Helm chart itself. So eventually we uh, step to the, uh, the cluster pattern and we uh, leverage the uh, Builder, set up our own uh, Kubernetes uh, operator. And the, I won't uh, dive into details, but I will give a brief introduction of uh, our implementation. And it, it's still uh, in, in, in high speed involving, and you, you can reach out to, it's also open sourced under Apache 2.0 here. And uh, basically uh, we introduced uh, some uh, new uh, CRD, so you can define the oh, an, an, a whole uh, cluster of uh, graph database in one uh, single file, like in 20 lines of YAMLs. And uh, the controller, controller of the um, operator will uh, check the states and the reconcile when needed. And it will uh, communicate with the Nebula cluster itself rather than only the uh, Kubernetes resources. Uh, this is the uh, example of how it was done here, but I'm not going to dive into it. I will uh, show you some um, uh, real demos now. So I will switch to a uh, terminal. Yes. And before uh, we dive into the actual uh, live demos, uh, I will give you some brief introduction on uh, what's running actually on top of, the, uh, of uh, Kubernetes. So uh, this is the architecture picture. And the, in the left side here, it's actually the core part of the, 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 uh, the pure database of Nebula Graph. So you can see, there are three 
types of workloads, and they are graph D, the meta D, and the storage D. And the, from this naming, we can guess that graph D is the one that handling the graph queries, which we could also call it uh, uh, the query engine or computation uh, daemon. Uh, so it's the one that taking into the user's uh, graph query, just like the one I showed you, go from something like that. And then it will make this query uh, into the underlying storage uh, queries, and it will cause to the storage engine, which is the storage D cluster, is consensus with the, the protocol of Raft. And, and when it, it fetched the needed information, it will make the needed computation in the graph D itself. Uh, we will review the detailed graph uh, computation later in, in some uh, following demos. And the meta D is literally uh, maintaining the metadata for the graph database, um, in, including the authentication, the session management, and the, the data distribution, the, the data schema, etc. So it's also uh, consensus uh, with the raft protocol. And the right side, I'm not going to uh, explain in details. It's just a, a stateless workload. It's just it's named Nebula Graph Studio, which is the uh, GUI is a uh, graph data visualization uh, tour. And uh, from the top of the, of the screen, we can see that uh, with the help of the Nebula operator, uh, we just uh, uh, abstract the whole cluster in uh, uh, quite straightforward uh, uh, CRD. I'm sorry, it's quite long. And you can see that, uh, okay, I'm, I'm not, not going to show them all. And so we will go. Uh, we are moving on to the demo uh, sooner. So before I will give introduction of my environment that I'm I'm actually running a Kubesphere flavored Kubernetes on a single uh, server, and uh, you, you can see after I uh, install I actually uh, with the Kube key that which was introduced by uh, Feynman just now, uh, I just give one liner which is quite uh, straightforward and, and elegant. You will have a uh, a usable, a production level uh, Kubernetes after boss together with the, all the components uh, bring uh, brought by uh, the Kubesphere. And for example, this is the open EBS. It is quite uh, usable for your test environment or edge uh, deployment. You don't have a, a NAS or uh, outside uh, storage providers. It's quite useful for my demo because I don't need to uh, install the host pass provider myself. And uh, so this is the output of the cube key, the KK uh, one-liner install everything uh, cluster uh, tour. And we can see it come out of, of boss uh, with this, um, uh, with this uh, Kubesphere um, beautiful dashboard console. So we can dive into what we have. Remember, we, uh, I didn't show that in the console, but here, uh, this is the kind of Nebula cluster, which is a CRD introduced by the Nebula Kubernetes uh, operator. And you can see here from the CRD kind uh, uh, Nebula cluster, you will see that we, uh, we only describe the, the workload in the spec, uh, spec like um, less than 100 lines. So you will have a proper uh, maintained uh, self-service uh, Nebula Graph cluster. And underlying is uh, the data plan workloads uh, is actually three stateful uh, sets, which is stand for the three components. Like this is storage D. And inside that we can see uh, three uh, replica because we specified replica in three now. And focus on this one, this part, uh, you will see the container and you, you can see the monitoring uh, interface, which is beautiful. And you can, um, for example, uh, dive into the, the container and see the logs. And also you can see the, the, the required uh, corresponding the volume, the, the storage claim here, uh, quite sweet. Also, uh, this is the data plan of the cluster. We can also uh, look into the, the control plan of the cluster. So uh, there are actually two deployment. I'm not uh, diving to them. So um, apart from that uh, Nebula core part, which is the stateful part, the core database, 
we also implement uh, the, the Nebula Studio, remember, in the Arc picture. Uh, and uh, in the workload, they are just to actually uh, in, in, in the default the, the default namespace. It's just a deployment of the Nebula uh, Studio. And you can see in this part, there are three containers here. And just as, as I shown in, in the picture. And now I will move uh, more on the graph uh, fields. So I, we, will, uh, we will see uh, what the Nebula Studio uh, was defined, uh, exposed pause is, is done by the service. Uh, it's a poor single service. We, we just use the uh, node part. So now we can back to the demo and we will uh, visit this uh, Nebula Studio running on this cluster. Uh, so uh, we will use the uh, graph of the a data set rep representing the basketball player and teams. So I will introduce, so this is the interface that we are manipulating and visualize the data, uh, the data in the graph uh, format in the Nebula graph. So I will introduce you the data uh, schema, like uh, what we have in this graph. You remember the dots and the connections, right? The dots, there are two kinds of dots, which is player, which is the NBA players. Uh, you will know uh, their name very famous later and uh, the famous NBA teams. And regarding the connections, the edges, there are two kinds. This is very uh, simplified uh, data module here. They are follow and serve. So follow refers to the, like the, in the Twitter, you can follow another user. So this is one uh, direction uh, relationships. And, and and serve means you serve uh, a player can serve a team in certain uh, years or period. So we will explore the data now. So in the explore function, uh, we will start with two uh, of the dots of the nodes or vertexes. We just randomly gave some of them player. We will give two points here. Right? They are, they are shown. So I will. Uh, so when, when you click, you will see the properties here, and we we want to show them in in, in this GUI. Is in the show we want to show the needed information that is friendly to our brain. So the data will be inspect here in a quite uh, easy way for our brain to understand. We will give a different color, and uh, we'll give this another color like. Blue, yeah. So what we can do with this, with, with the graph database, so we can double click. Well, what does it mean? It means Tim Duncan follows Manu and Tim Duncan also follows uh, Tony and Tim Duncan served in the Spurs in this year. So how about Yao Ming? Oh yeah, same, similar thing. So how about, uh, why we, there is no uh, edges here? Oh, it's because, so this is the field that, uh, when we double click, it means expand. So we need to maybe consider incoming direction. Yeah, there is another. So um, how about uh, how about Tracy? Yes. So this is the very uh, typical connection between the two points, and now uh, or typical use case in the graph database. So now we we find that the random two selected uh, players, they actually have some connections between them, each other. So the Yao Ming followed Shark Onio and Shark followed Tim Duncan. So they are connected in some way, just like what we found in the social network, like LinkedIn, right? Remember, it's a one degree uh, shared. So how is it possible that we find all the connections between the two, the two points? So the answer is yes, of course. And we can go with the uh, algorithm of find path. So I will give, give the player ID here, player one, three, three. And the relationship, the edges, we, we don't feel it means all the relationship and we give by direction of the expansion uh, of uh, find path uh, directions. So. This is the underlying query language that this visualizing tool is using. So it's the NGQL, which means the Nebula graph query language. So it's quite straightforward. Just 
I'm not sure if you can see it clearly. I will read it out. It says, find all paths from player 100, which is the team Duncan, to player 133, which is uh, Yao Ming, over star. The star is a well card referring to all kinds of relationships in the direction of bidirect. So let's uh, click the expand here. Sorry. Okay, that's crazy. Can I, can I just ask a question? Yep. Anytime. This, this is amazing. Like this. Well, that's a statement. That's not a question. But here's the question: <laughs> Whose idea yeah, was it? Whose you. idea was it to use the basketball players? Um, actually, uh, it's actually it's a it's a default data set in our documentation. It's quite easy. Oh, but okay. I, but okay. I will give this credit to Feynman because yeah, good job. Feynman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's a basketball player. I know I, from his uh, social network. And uh, when I was preparing for this demo, I initially used another, you know, boring uh, example. Which <laughs> but no, is, but this uh, is very smart. This is very, very smart. Um, yeah. And I think uh, I hope you use this example in other live streams and fully take advantage of it because it's always these things where we tell folks like, like Feynman did earlier as well, using white walkers, using examples of things we can relate to from like our daily lives. I absolutely love it. Sorry, Feynman, I didn't know you were a basketball player either. I got to I gotta pay more attention to your Twitter. <laughs> anyway, keep going. I'll be quiet. Thank I'm you. I'm not a professional basketball player, but I play basketball uh, many times. Yeah, I, I, I nice. think. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a professional rapper. I just have the excuse to do it for the team on Kubernetes community. Anyway, keep going. I love this. This yeah. is great. By the way, I love your flow. Yeah. Okay, uh, we will move yeah. on. And so what is it? Why it looks cool, but why is it useful? Is there any use case in this scenario? The answer is ob obviously yes, but I will give you some example. So normally this kind of system can be also named as a knowledge graph, but maybe it's a single domain. It's only focusing on basketball players, but it's actually still a kind of sort of uh, a knowledge graph. But what is a knowledge graph? I will give you an example. So when we Google something like Yao Ming, we can see results. So in the left side, basically, so we know Google is very complex, but basically it's just something similar to Elasticsearch. Just uh, Google use a lot of spider balls to uh, you know, fetch all the data and assemble them in a certain way and you search them. But in the right side, in this example, there are some cars with some more intelligence information here. So by, uh, behind the scenes of this uh, technology, there is, uh, knowledge graph, but I won't give, give you some more details examples. For example, we search for Yao Ming's wife age, and there is an answer that she is 40 years old. I'm, I'm sorry I asked a, a girl's uh, age, uh, age here, but <laughs> just but a number, cannot... just a number. It's okay. Yeah, just just number, and she looks beautiful and young. Yeah, but Actually, uh, you cannot do this with, uh, you know, the sorted uh, data in your Elasticsearch, something like that. So behind the scene, there'd be something more intelligent. And part, the majority of the te technology behind this is the knowledge graph. And I will give you some more detailed uh, examples now. So actually, I built a small um, intelligent uh, query uh, service like Siri, but I, know, I name it as Siri, S-I-W-I. And I also implement this code in, in, in this uh, demo uh, environment, I will show you now. So, and underlying is actually based on our Nebula graph. So I will make this query. So it's based on open function. So the first query will be slow because there is a, a code start. So our question here is who are Team Duncan the friends, and the answer is Tim Duncan have followed two players, Tony Parker and Manu. So we, we I prepared another question. So this is fast. Uh, how does Yao Ming and Lakers connected? So the answer is there are at least 19 relations between Yao Ming and Lakers. One path is something like that. So this is uh, exactly uh, exact example how um, knowledge graph is applied to intelligent uh, robot. So this is the 
um, example here. And more than that, uh, we can check what's underlying running on the, our clusters. So we can see the workloads that uh, we can see the pods and open function help us spawn a, a pod just now. And we can look into that in the function and in the container log. Yes, the two queries are underlying uh, in the, you know, in the robot uh, code, it will pass your question uh, sentences and it, it will do some categorize and the intent matching that your first query is, you want to query friends, so intent is friend and your entities and Tim Duncan. So, so my code will assemble this into a graph query, which is, match to query your one degree friends. You can do it for n degree, like you, you have recommended in, in LinkedIn, right? And another one is one our, we already uh, showed that uh, uh, is querying the connections between Yaomi and Lakers. So intense here is the relationship and uh, it will make this query and uh, return the result here. So it's a small, tiny use case. So the demo today is We'll end now, but uh, I will provide a more interesting demo in my next session um, in, in, in data on Kubernetes community. So that's and it. More, more Tim Duncan, more Yaming. Can we expect that? Yes, yes, exactly. I want to be there. I'll be there. I mean, I will be there. I, I have the pleasure of having to be there. But yeah, this, was thank you. this was super cool. Now, I have a question for both of you. Uh, yep. A frequent topic that we encounter in the data on Kubernetes community, which was mentioned by both of you, is the question of operators. In terms mm -hmm. of what we see right now to make running data on Kubernetes easier, are operators the only solution you think we have, or can we expect further solutions in the future? Huh, that's a good question. Nobody has to go first. I just say that just because no, I say that because it's a it's a frequent topic, and we and we've written about it in the new stack. We've had lots of conversations with different folks, but it's to see okay, um, because you know, for an organization, if they're going to build an operator, you need time, you need money because time is money. Um, people who are talented enough to do it, you have to make sure that those people who are building it will be in your company for long enough because different operators take different amounts of time. So just asking the question, you know, some people have said there could be one operator to rule them all. That seems pretty difficult because operators are so specific. Um, but it's to see, are there any, do you imagine any other possible solutions to make this easier in the next year or two? Anything. There, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. Well, just really. Yeah. Um, to me, that uh, we, we already know that uh, why we need an operator, we, a robot operator is behind the scene is that uh, we don't want to be caught in midnight. So in, in the loop that you want to, uh, you, you want to know that this one, there is a CPU hype spike, or uh, there are some uh, dead disk uh, found there, or there are some alarms there. So normally we are, we're trying to avoid the, the human resource to get, get out being caught in midnight and handle everything. We want to uh, automate, automate or decouple the people in the, in, in the, uh, in the operating uh, circles. So to me that uh, if we are running, actually running them on, on top of Kubernetes, uh, it's quite natural that uh, because there are two parts of, uh, of things that need to be handled by this operator, no matter it's a, it's a person operator or a Kubernetes operator. One is the resources re regarding uh, your um, container or other workload orchestrations. The other is the application itself. So operator is kind of fit perfectly that you can add your logic to reconcile uh, both on the uh, perspective of the Kubernetes resources and your um, workload logic. Like you, you need to rebalance your, on your application level. Uh, but uh, your, it's my first time thinking about this question and quite good question. Yeah, and there's, and there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. There's no perfect answer. It's mostly just, you know, you're working with this stuff. You're seeing this in your day to day. Now I would like to take that question a little bit further to you, uh, Feynman is 
running data on Kubernetes a money problem, a technology problem, a knowledge problem, a people problem? We could say maybe it's a combination. But what do you think is the biggest obstacle, the biggest challenge that's making it complicated for folks, for more people to run stateful workloads on Kubernetes? Tim Duncan is a possible answer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we can we, we can say uh, there's not a silver bullet for running stateful load workloads on Kubernetes. Since uh, for now we have the operator for uh, to, to help us to resolve those questions, uh, those issues that uh, Wei mentioned before. Yeah, we we have the operator to help us handle those automated uh, operation and the maintenance works and. Uh, we don't need to wake up in the middle night, but we still has a lot of uh, obstacles. We say that uh, the data management, the data persistent uh, issues. Yeah, but uh, going forward, I guess that might be uh, some new solutions for this barrier. Yeah, but I'm not sure uh, if the next um, the solution will be come out and to solve this problem very well. Yeah, that's, and maybe that's why, no, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, customize. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if yeah. uh, customize or some other, uh, you know, I'm not sure you, you guys know Kuvela. Yeah, it's a new kind of uh, application, uh, we can I say definition yeah, and framework, which help us to solve those kind of uh, pain points. Good yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, another point of view that I cannot come up with a technical solution, but we can manage to put the the data on other guys cluster. Like you just use a managed, you know, database at a service or even serverless. I, I, we, this year the 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 thing that shocked me is the um, the CRDB. They provide a serverless solution. You can scale down to zero, which is quite um, insightful for me. Yeah, serverless database service. Yeah, right? yeah. So they will yeah. call the guys from other company, not me. So mm -hmm. anyway, so we see different things happening, but this is also why we have a community so that people can get together. We can share these things. And oftentimes it's not about having the answers. It's about asking more questions and asking better questions. And so we understand this is very innovative. Many things are being done for the first time, um, but it's exciting to see the progress and particularly recommendable to everybody. If you take note, if you're taking notes um, during this presentation on both sides, both of the speakers made a very, very big effort to make the material relatable. And I cannot thank you enough for doing that. Um, Starting out with your presentation, Feynman, very easy to, to follow, very logical, very practical. Um, and then the wonderful example of seeing um, a graph database, you know, and, and also starting out with another database, do we really need this? But we see the use cases. And once we start talking about Tim Duncan and Yao Ming and even Yao Ming's wife and her age, I had no idea she was 40, that's fine, good for her. If Yao Ming's wife is watching this live stream, we salute you, we think you're a wonderful person um, and we would be happy to have you as a guest. But I really, really think that's a great thing is that in order for data on Kubernetes to be easier to understand, we need examples and presentations such as the one that you gave today um, to, to make it more tangible and, and not so scary. Um, let's see. Uh, Wei, I will ask you to stop sharing your screen so that oh, I can sorry. share mine. No, it's okay. Um, for everybody that, that, was, uh, that was watching, these, these two gentlemen are very easy to find in social media, very active. Um, so, so like I said, you can, you can, you can find them also in our Slack. You can find them in the CMCF Slack, very active on Twitter, also on LinkedIn. Um, so please reach out if you, if you have more questions about Kubesphere or about, um, Nebula, um, and they will be happy to answer those. Wow. Wait, you've got a lot of, <laughs> sorry, a lot cannot... of that's all good. It's <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing. Going. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, you can find that's part the button. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You got to find the zoom call. You can find the stop sharing button at the bottom. Bottom. Yeah, yeah. he's right. 
Okay. If not, okay. if not, I, I will kill. To, I will I, kill it. See you later. I may no, no. I may have to forcibly stop. What? You from sharing your screen. Uh, don't worry, man. This is this is the first time. This, this is we've done 106 live streams, and this is the first time. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's all good. That's part I will of come the back. Fun. No, that's part of the fun. No, no, no. Don't leave us. Don't leave us. You can you can find a way. Um, how do I? I can stop your video, but I don't want to do that. Um, I can make you an attendee, um, and then I can bring you back. Let's see. Or no, maybe that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> yes. All right, Way, are you still with us? Uh, sorry? Way, are you still? Oh, no, no. Way is now, <laughs> he's been demoted to, uh, to an attendee. And now you're going to have to see my screen, which is totally crazy. Um, Way, are you there? Oh no, he's reached. Oh, he's. Oh wow, he's also a hacker. He has multiple multiple identities that he's using simultaneously. Okay, good. Uh, um, uh, can you see my screen? Not yet. Yep. Not yet. Okay. Oh, yeah, I can see it now. Okay, but can you tell me what you see? Because you might see a lot of different things. Yeah, um, this is a nice poster. Okay, good, good, good. All right. So while you were talking, we had, as usual, our amazing artist Angel, uh, who's in the background. And he, I'm always talking to him while we're doing this. And he had a really good time today, too. He really enjoyed uh, both of your presentations. Um, so he got, he got to have a lot of fun doing this. Um, so anyway, a nice representation of some of the, the, the topics. There were quite a few co topics covered. Very nice to get the White Walkers in there. And, and of course, the great basketball references. Um, but I, I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, looking forward to having you back uh, way in 2022. Feynman, we'll yep. get you back on, too. Um, we got to get you in our next KubeCon event, too. By the way. If you want to apply for uh, do a CFP for KubeCon, you have until December 17th. We'd love to see more data on Kubernetes um, proposals. We will, of course, also be having a co-located event in KubeCon in May um, for the data on Kubernetes community, another DOK day. So you can look out for that. There are some folks also from our community who are right now in Las Vegas at reInvent. We hope they have a wonderful and safe time there. Um, but anyway, that being said, like I said, both of our speakers are very easy to find, very knowledgeable, very friendly. So please feel free to reach out and interact with them uh, whenever you get the chance. Uh, gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Thank you both. Take care. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bart. Thanks for bye -bye. the time. My pleasure. Bye -bye.